Any of you had a spiritual mentor growing up that helped you in your faith? Raise your hand if you did. I just want to see real quick. Okay? Or maybe, not, maybe it wasn't a spiritual mentor. Maybe you weren't a follower of Christ at a younger age, but you had a, a teacher or you had a coach or you had somebody like that who, who believed in you and spoke to you. Did you have anybody like that in your life? I'm sure that we did. Those are valuable, valuable things. It's going to be what I want to talk to you about just a little bit this morning. But first of all, I just want to see how is everybody doing this morning, okay? Right? I mean, we, again, we are, hopefully your summer is going well. If it's not, you're in trouble because it's half over already. Well, maybe not half over. Actually, it's only a month over, isn't it? Okay, it's only a third over. Uh, but it's, uh, part of it's over, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you're enjoying it. And again, we're just so glad that you were here whether this is your first time or you always come here, we're so glad that you're here. And as you may have noticed, uh, Pastor Gus is not here this morning uh, on a little bit of a vacation or what he likes to call a, a staycation, <laughs> right? And so, so he's not here this morning. So what that means, actually he's not going to be here next week, so what that means is, unfortunately, is you get me this week and you get Pastor Chuck next week. So you get second and third fill in the next couple of weeks. So it's kind of the way it is, right? Yeah, what do you do? Well, as I was, uh, as I was, putting, this, as I was putting this together just a few weeks ago, uh, when I was putting this together a few weeks ago, it was just a couple days uh, before my daughter's birthday. Uh, she, was, uh, she was getting ready to turn three. Uh, now she's three and she's getting there. She's growing. Doctor says she's doing well. She's actually sprouting up a little bit. Now she's in the 25 percentile in height. And she was like 5% not too long ago, right? 2%, I'm sorry, 2%. Now it's 25, so she's starting to grow a little bit. But uh, she was, uh, I was thinking and I was going through my mind what it was like, you know, she was first born and, and how an exciting time that was and some of the other birthdays that we've celebrated with her. But as I was thinking about that, I also had some mixed emotions um, at that time too because the next few weeks in her life were one of the most trying times for me and for my family. And if you weren't here at Fairhaven, if you, want, if you don't mind, I just want to tell you a little bit about my story and what happened at that time. But about three years ago, uh, I was privileged enough to take uh, 12 students and leaders, and we went on a missions trip uh, to Thailand. Had an incredible time, 12 of us. 30-hour trip, right, in planes. Ever stay that long in a plane? It's just unbearable. You should not be allowed. You take three naps, and you're still not there yet. Um, but uh, a 30-hour trip halfway around the world. And had a great time, and God did some great things on that trip. But for me at the same time, because my daughter was only a couple weeks old when I left, my mind was still kind of a little bit on what was happening at home. I missed her, you know, here I am. Am I even a good dad? Because she's two weeks old, and I'm already leaving her. And, and so I was excited. I was so excited to get back to see her, to see my kids, and, and I couldn't wait. But when I landed back at the airport in Chicago, because we flew out of Chicago, uh, I did what every person does, and I turned on my cell phone, just checked my messages to see how many were there, and the very first message I got was, was from my wife, from Lana, uh, letting me know that they had taken my daughter uh, to Children's Hospital downtown, and they'd rushed her down there. Somehow, between the 30 hours when I left and when I came back and landed, uh, that had happened. And I, I got to tell you, to be honest with you, that was not what I was expecting, uh, when I landed. And, and what happened the next uh, 
10 days, again, were, were some difficult times for me. Those next 10 days, uh, I remember just kind of, Atlanta and I were sitting and watching as the doctors were trying to figure out, you know, why she wasn't gaining weight because Michaela, she was born a little bit small. Okay, she was five foot, she was five foot, right? <laughs> five pounds, four ounces, and she had dropped all the way to 314. So I sat there for 10 days, we're trying to figure out why she's not, why they're not gaining weight. And we sat and watched as they, um, you know, it stick with, stick her with needles because they're trying to draw some blood from her and her veins kept collapsing and, you know, and, and then watched as they uh, put a tube down her nose that would go into her stomach to feed her because she, she was too, doing all right, <laughs> I was doing all right until I looked at you. Um, but she was just so, she just didn't have the strength to, to suck. And so it was, it was a really difficult time um, for us. And the reason, why, the reason why I share that with you, I really do have a reason why I share that with you, is because I remember it was one of, those, one of those many moments in my life in which I knew that there was, uh, that there was nothing that I could do. That it, beyond, by myself, it was beyond my ability, beyond my capability. And I could pray, and I did. And I don't want to minimize prayer, so please don't, don't misunderstand me. Uh, I believe in it. But I also know that it was one of those many moments in my life in which I had to ask somebody else to come alongside of me to help me with my child. And if you were in the same spot, you probably would have done the same thing as I was, as I did. But you know what? Again, there's been many, many other moments besides that with all of my kids in which I realized that I just could not do this thing by myself. Or even Lana and I together at times couldn't do it by ourselves. That we needed to enlist the help of others. And I'm sure that if you're honest with yourself, there were probably many times in your life where it's been the same way with one or two or probably all of your kids. As a matter of fact, isn't it true that as a parent, we enlist the help of others all the time for our kids? Don't we? I mean, think about this for a second. I'll bet that most of you, at one time or another, have enlisted the help of either the public or the private school system to help your kids grow intellectually. Maybe if you have younger kids, like, like me, maybe it was preschool. to come. We don't put our kids in preschool just because of the fact we need a babysitter. We put them in there because we're looking for help with our kids. So when your kids, and you know that there's many areas in your life that are at this time with your kids are beyond your capacity. So when your kids start bringing home algebra and geometry, if you're not there yet, it's going to happen. You know, you throw up your hands, I don't understand this, so you enlist the help. So you attend the parent-teacher conferences, you assist with the homework, uh, you check to make sure your kids are getting their work done, all that stuff. And, and if your child struggles with any kind of subject while they're at school, what do you do? You enlist the help of a tutor, don't you? Because it's beyond your capacity. I'll even bet that many of you, whether you have children now or you've had children in the past, have even enlisted the help of a coach or an instructor for many special activities or sports. Maybe your son wants to wrestle, but you don't know anything about it besides the fact that they just throw each other around all over the mat. Or maybe your daughter wants to play the piano, but unfortunately you like me and you don't know anything about music, or maybe your child gets really into, son or daughter gets really into theater, but again, it's not in your capacity, so what do you do? You care about them, and you want them to develop those things, so you enlist the help 
of others. You know, as a parent, or at least for me, and I, I, I'll bet this is for a lot of you as well, one thing that we learn early in life, if we're honest with ourselves, is that we're limited in our capacity, our time, our resources, our knowledge at times. And I know some of you may be listening to this this morning, and you've kind of got an idea a little bit where I'm going with this, and maybe you think some of the stuff I shared already is not a fair comparison. I just want to ask you to stick with me just for a couple moments. Because here's a couple things I know about you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and a couple things that I know about me. Number one, there is nothing more important in a person's life than their relationship with Jesus Christ. Number two, that as a parent, I long for the fact that the years after my child leaves my house or leaves high school, that they follow Jesus Christ and they follow His plan for their life. Right? And if you're honest, you know, you know, you know that you can't do it all by yourself. That you can't. You are limited in your capacity. Maybe like many of us, you have come to the realization that you know what, that you don't know every parenting technique that's out there. That you're learning as you go along. That they didn't give you a big parenting guide like this when you had your child, when you left the, when you left the hospital. That you're learning as you go along. Maybe you've also figured it out, like many of us, that you have many of your own insufficiencies. That it's hard to pass certain things down to our kids. And maybe... If you're like many of us and you have a teenager, you've learned that there comes a point in time when they need other trusted adult voices in their life. So what do you do when you find yourself in this spot? What do you do? What do you do when you find yourself in this spot? It's a very frustrating spot at times because you want nothing but the best for your kids. What do you do when you find yourself in this spot And and it's that spot that's really defeating at times. You know what I'm talking about. Because your kids aren't moving in the direction that you want them to. Or they're not moving as fast as you want them to. And it's very defeating. What do you do when you find yourself in that spot and it's very, very confusing? You know, you can do a couple different things. You can go and buy the newest and greatest parenting book that's out there. And maybe you're like me, if you pick it up and you read it, when you get down to the end, you realize you feel worse than when you started because they paint this great picture and you know that you're way over here. Or you can go to another book, one that I'd like you to consider this morning as well, and that would be God's Word. So let's look at God's Word and see what it has to say to us about handling this dilemma. What do we do? When, when we want our kids, we want our teenagers, we want our children to be able to have this and be, become this person that God wants them to be, but we know inside of us still at times, you know, I'm falling short, I don't have the time, I don't even have the knowledge sometimes. What do I do when I find myself in that frustrating situation? You know, as we look at it in just a moment, I want to talk to you, I want to encourage you that when it comes to your child's spiritual development, that you would do something called widening the circle. And what I mean by that is by enlisting the help of others. Specifically, I'm talking about spiritual mentors. Or even better, a great place to find those spiritual mentors right here in this church. Because here's the thing that we know. Here's the takeaway. Here's the bottom line. Here's what I want you to walk away with more than anything else this morning. That for our kids to make better choices... 
in regards to their faith and, and, and Christ and what they're going to do with their life, for our kids to make better choices, we must value other voices. And that's parents, and that's all of us in the church, as you're going to see in just a moment. For kids to make better choices, we have to value other voices. Did you hear that? For kids to make better choices, we need to value other voices. And again, I understand, maybe you hear me say that this morning, I, under, I understand the pushback when I say that. I know some of you would say, maybe, you know, Pastor Al, aren't I supposed to have all the answers? I mean, I'm the parent, to which I would just kind of wonder where we come up with that conclusion sometimes. Some of us would even say, you know what, I'm not even sure that I want to trust my kids with other adults, even other adults in the church. We've got to ask for God's help with that. Because we're going to look at in just a moment how it's very biblical that we do that, that we enlist their help. Some of us would even push back and say, you know what? That might even take more of my time to do that. I have to work. I'm sorry, I'm sorry not have to work. I have so much more to do, to which I would say to all of us, and we know this. We all make time for what's important, don't we? Parents make time every day, like me, like you, every day. For our kids to do multiple things at one time. We make time for it. Now here's another thing that I've learned and I've witnessed as a youth pastor the last 14 years and, and maybe you have too if you've got preteens or you've got teenagers now and I've learned this just recently the last couple of years that when you have just preschoolers or you have elementary age kids to a point you know you can't even imagine your kids needing anybody else besides you. You just, you just can't at that age. And you, can't, you don't need anybody else besides you for their spiritual development. But here's what happens to every kid as they transition into those teenage years. As a matter of fact, if you're honest, you know that it happened to you as a teenager, did it not? That you sought out other adult voices and influences for your life, didn't you? And that's why what I'm going to talk to you about this morning is applicable to every one of us this morning. That we cannot wait until our kids are teenagers before we begin to widen this circle of influence for them. Because I promise you, a time will come for you and for your children where you're going to need other adults in their lives and then also in your life besides just you. For kids to make better choices, we need to value other voices. So where does this, where does this idea come from anyways? It comes from all the way back in the book, uh, in the Old Testament, back in Deuteronomy. So if you have your Bible, if you want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, or if maybe you're a teenager and you don't have your Bible and you've got it on your iPod, go ahead and pull it out, as long as you've got it in front of you somewhere, right? I have to be honest, I have one too on my iPod, okay? I was using it last night. Um, but pull it out, but before, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is where we're going, and uh, before we read these verses, let me just kind of give you a little bit of a background real quick. We know at this time, we, we know the Israelites, we know God's people, we know that they were recently rescued um, from the oppression of Pharaoh and from Egypt, and we know that they were enslaved for 430 years, and uh, they were enslaved, and approximately one to two million of them. And we know that after they leave, if that wasn't bad enough to be enslaved for that long, 
We know that because of their unbelief and their disobedience, we know that they wandered in the desert for 40 years as a nation. We also know that hundreds of years before that, a couple hundred years before that, that through Abraham, their forefather, that God gave Abraham a promise. That because of Abraham's faith, that one day his descendants, the nation of Israel, the people we're talking about, would inherit this promised land. What the Bible calls a land flowing with milk and honey. A great land. And so after many years of slavery and all this wandering in the desert, here is where our verses today are going to pick up. Here's what else I want you to know as well that's going to help us as we read these verses. That again, this is a moment that they had been waiting on for years to enter this land. They were on the brink of their most promising days as a nation. Also, I want you to know that as their leader, Moses, this is what we're going to read this morning, is kind of like his Pharaoh's speech, as he's going to be stepping down from leadership pretty soon. But as he spoke, the people heard a new and unexpected concern about their future from their leader that they hadn't heard before. They They were all excited about arriving at this promised destination, yet he was concerned about how their newfound blessing was going to affect their faith. Or more importantly, he was concerned about how they were going to transfer their faith to their children and the generations to come. So in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 12, Moses shares something profoundly different from anything he had ever said before, and he challenges, catch this this morning, he challenges every listener at this time. We're going to read verses 4 through verse 12. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of goods you did not provide, wells that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Then you will eat and be satisfied. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery." Moses admonishes them to be careful not to forget God because he knows how easy it's going to be once they start getting all this prosperity that they're about ready to get. And so what he does is he gives them a plan to guard their heritage and transfer that faith to that next generation. And again, here's what's interesting about this. Again, why everybody in this room needs to listen to this this morning. Even if you don't have young children anymore is that nobody is excluded from what he's talking about. Within this passage are values that families can use to to shepherd the responsibility that they have to transmit this everyday faith to their children, and to their sons and their daughters. And while I don't have adequate time to cover all the things that are in here, because there's plenty of them, I'd like to just mourn this morning, just to hit on one of them. And hopefully maybe maybe later on this year I can hit on another one or two. And the one I want to address today has to do with this idea 
of widening the circle of influence for our kids. And you know what? In these verses we just read right here, Moses addresses this right away in the very first three words. Three words that we often look and run right by. He says, Hear, O Israel. Don't miss this. Because Moses is speaking to all of Israel, all of them, about the importance of families passing on their faith to the next generation, to their children and to the teenagers. He was talking to every parent and everybody else that's that's there at that time. See, he understood that for kids to make better choices, that we are going to have to value other voices. We have to remember that the culture of the Israelites was that, was that of community. So that day, the people that were listening that day were moms and dads, aunts and uncles, grandparents, and every other possible adult that you can think of was also in the presence at that time. The Hebrew culture described in Deuteronomy naturally promoted this kind of relationship, this community. So I guess in essence, we kind of see this communal raising of children. The family unit at that time wasn't as neatly defined as you and I think it was. This system offered significant multi-generational support for children and for teenagers. So how do we rediscover this principle of widening the circle that existed for the Israelites and for the Hebrew people? And it's this. It's this idea of seeking out spiritual mentors, other trusted voices for our children, And that may come in many different forms. And for some of you, you're already doing that. Matter of fact, I know that some of you are already doing that. But because of my position here at the church, I want to talk to you about widening the circle as it relates to what happens here at Fairhaven. Something that, that we've really been trying to discuss the last two years almost now is we've been talking a little bit about this idea of becoming an orange church with our kids and with our teenagers. You know, as a parent, I believe that one of the greatest values of the church is its potential, potential to provide community for my kids. Yes, teaching, memorizing scripture, learning all that doctrine is important. I understand. I don't want to minimize that. But we miss this one very often, and we just cannot afford to. Personally, I want kids, especially mine, And students to know that the church is a place where they can come, they can show up, and they can be safe. It's a place where they can come and have meaningful dialogue with another trusted adult. And a place where they can ask difficult questions, even about their faith. So we need to, the Bible shows us that we need to, we need to start widening the circle when it comes to our kids. But what's this look like? You know, it sounds good, right? But what's it look like? What can, what can I do about it? Whether, whether I'm just a parent of a kid or... What can I do about this if my kids are all grown up and I'm sitting here this morning and they're off somewhere else, but I'm just here now by myself? What can I do about that? You know, the application to all of this this morning is very simple. And it's just about relationships. We need to offer our kids, whether they're our own, whether they're not, whether they're just our kids here at this church that we like to wrap our arms around, that's one of my kids. We need to offer them strategic relationships. And it begins with us as parents 
As parents, we need to pursue those relationships strategically for our sons and for our daughters. For our kids to make better choices, we need to value other voices. Just like I mentioned earlier, the way that we do that for so many different other areas of their lives. And we need to start when they're young, as early as possible, if anything else, just so they get used to this idea of having these others that are in their lives or speaking to them. Moms, dads, every child needs other adult voices in their lives who will say and reflect the same things that a parent would say. And specifically for here at this church, you know, I've said this numerous times, I'm going to say it again. I would encourage you to connect with your son or your daughter, with their small group leader, their lead teacher, whoever that may be. You know, we worked really hard this last year and a half, two years now, to make sure that every child, every student that comes here from the age of 2 to 18 has a small group leader in their life that's assigned to them. And one of the smartest things that you could ever do is to connect with them. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. But here's a piece of research that I find that might be interesting to you. Teenagers who've had at least one adult from church make a significant investment in their life because that circle has been widened for them by their parents, we're more likely to keep attending church. More of those who stayed in church by a margin of 46 to 28% said five or more adults at church invested time in them personally and also spiritually. You know, I've, I've observed a lot of things over my years being a youth pastor. But one thing that I've observed is from the time a child enters into junior high and even into high school, that they start pulling away from home. And they start pulling away from parents. And let's just real quickly, you know what? In essence, this is not a bad thing because we want them to eventually become independent, don't we? They're just becoming independent and they're just kind of redefining themselves to the eyes of others who aren't their immediate family. And the older they get, this is why the older they get, the more important it is for them to have those voices in their lives saying the same things that you would be saying, but maybe in a different way. They need those other voices. And here's the thing. You can either recognize that, and you can help facilitate that among your kids, or you can ignore that, and you can go ahead and let them choose who them people are going to be themselves. Because they're going to choose. We all did. You know what? Parents who don't understand this have forgotten what it was like to be a teenager. So I want to challenge you this morning that in order to put this into practice, that again, that we would consider what we've been talking about for a long time now as we've been moving and trying to do this orange thing here. Connect with your child's small group leader. And I mean, when I say connect, I mean more than just, hey, I know what your name is. Get to know them. Talk with them. Share with them your desires for your kids. Have them over for dinner. Tap into them. Yes, I know it's going to take extra effort, but you know what? The payoff is going to be great. It's going to be even greater than those piano lessons that you're giving your daughter. And don't get me wrong, piano. Sorry, Ellen. I know piano is a big thing, right? Uh, And I'm just picking on you because I I saw you and I knew you played the piano. But there's others of us. Sorry, Mark. Um, Those piano lessons are important, but I think we all know that those spiritual things are even more important. Connect with them. You know what? Connect with them even though some of them are teenagers. You know, my three kids that I've had have had some great small group leaders. They were teenagers. Sarah Postick, Bethany, 
Betsy, Annie, Grace Benella. You know these names, don't you? These are people that have taken time every Sunday to come and spend time with my kids and have done a great job speaking into their lives. Find the other voices that they need. Parents, here's another thing that you can do to help your kids with this, is you can help transition your child from a me approach to a we approach. You know, our children need to put you a part of something bigger that is much larger than our family. And what a wider circle does is it gives them a significant role to engage in a bigger story, and that is God's story, which is even larger. You see, being in community is not only important because of what it does for your children or what it gives for your children, but it's also important because of what it requires of your children. You know, the concept of the New Testament was never intended to be something, this, 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 this concept of church was never intended to be something that our children just attend. Rather, it's a community that encourages our children to demonstrate God's love to a broken world. See, if we understand this aspect of widening the circle, it has the potential to mobilize a child's faith from something that is static to something that's dynamic. I want you to listen to this uh, research that I found as well. In Inside Out Families, a lady by the name of Diane Garland reports on her study of what makes the most impact on a student's spiritual life. She concludes after extensive study and research that service or serving others with more closely related to faith development of teenagers than that of just attending worship services. Serving others in service. Thanks. You know, I knew it was hot up here. Man, I said that earlier too, didn't I? It is. Maybe this this is. Or maybe I'm just getting too worked up, one of the two. Service, serving others, seems to be more powerful than Sunday school, Bible study, participation in worship, in the faith development of children. When teenagers serve alongside adults, that experience broadens their faith and it redefines their understanding of what church is. And I know this is different from the way that we did church growing up, and I know it's different from maybe the way that we do church now. But I'm going to say something that, well, I'm just going to say, you know, some things change. Some things change. So parents, we can either widen the circle for our kids by involving them in church service and see the results. Now, before I wrap this up, there's still another group here that I want to talk to you real quick. For those of you that are sitting here this morning and you don't have kids that are in this church right now. You don't have teenagers, you don't have children, you don't have any of that right now. Moses would say to you, don't think that you're off the hook because of that. You are not off the hook. Remember, when Moses was talking about transferring that faith from one generation to the next, he was talking to the whole entire Israelite community. Our entire church community here at this church has a responsibility when it comes to widening the circle for the children and for the teenagers who attend this church. If we want them to make better choices, then we have to value other voices. We have to. So what about you? What are you doing right now to help parents 
who are trying to widen the circles for their kids because they are there. There are parents here in this church who do want to add trusted adult voices to their lives with the kids. As a matter of fact, again this morning, you are looking at one. I know that there are some of you out there this morning, and some of you are already doing this. You can speak some incredible things into the lives of my kids. Some of you are already doing that, and again, I appreciate that more than you can ever imagine. But if you're here this morning, and you don't have any younger children, you don't have any teenagers, would you consider helping parents, as Moses would say, widen that circle? Would you consider maybe just giving some of your time, maybe, maybe once a month, maybe that's just a starting point for you to serve in preschool and elementary age and teenagers? Or would you consider taking some initiative on your own maybe to approach a certain parent, maybe one that comes to your mind, and offering to invest some time into the lives of their kids? And this could take on many different forms. And again, I know the pushback to this one as you're listening just too busy. I'm just too busy. Can I just encourage you? I don't know how else to say it. Can I just encourage you to get a little bit unbusy? You know, we have families who are so desperate, not for you to babysit their kids, but to be that other voice in the life of their children. You know, as we close, let me see if I can bring this full circle here. You know, as we began this message uh, talk uh, this morning, I told you about a time in my life when I had to rely upon somebody else um, for my daughter with her physical condition. And we had to take her to the hospital, right? We had to take her to see a doctor. And I did it because it was beyond my capacity to do so. And you know what? I never thought twice about it. Never thought twice about it. This morning, the reality is that as a parent... I need to widen the circle, spiritually speaking, for my kids. Why? Again, it's beyond my capacity to do everything. And number two is biblical, if you look in what I read this morning. We need other trusted adult voices in the lives of our kids. Just think for a moment, what could be if we would all jump in and widen the circle for kids and teenagers who go to this church we would increase the chances, number one, that they would understand and that they would hear spiritual truths. Think about this for a moment. Have you ever told your kids something and they didn't hear you? Well, that's one thing, right? But let's take a step further. Have you ever told them something and they didn't hear you, but then they came home, whether it was from school or church or a baseball game? Scott, you and I were talking about this the one time. And the coach or the teacher told your kids something and they came home and they said, hey, guess what I learned? They told me this today. And you looked at them and said, well, haven't I been telling you that for the last five years? And you never heard what I said? That's what we're talking about this morning. We place these people, we increase the chances that they hear and they understand spiritual truths. Imagine what would happen if we widen the circle because, you know, we can increase a parent's capacity to parent. If I have to be honest with you, I won't be honest with you this morning, I don't know everything. I don't even know everything spiritually. I know my experiences are limited, and I know that you've been in places that I have yet to be. 
so we can help parents as they face challenges? Or how about one that maybe we don't think about this much? How about the single parent that walks in the doors here at the church? Already at a severe disadvantage. Mom's not there. Dad's not there. And I, and I know this because when I started going to church when I was 16 years old, my parents were divorced, so I went with just my mom. And I remember what a challenge it was for her. But luckily for me, there was a youth pastor, there was other adult males there at the church who took an interest in me, who reached out to me, and they wanted to teach me God's word. But you know what? It was all about relationships first. Think about this as well. We can also help our kids get the spiritual mentors that they need in their lives if we will, as a church, widen the circle. And we can start that process now while they're young, and we can help them. We can help them choose who these peoples will be, who these people will be, because you know what? Again, as I said earlier, one day they're going to choose. Are we going to be a part in facilitating that, making it happen? What we can do as a church together is we widen the circle could be incredible. And again, I know that maybe, again, one more time, I know that you're listening to this and maybe you've got difficulties with what I'm saying. I've heard things, again, from parents. I've heard things from leaders in our church who work with kids and who work with teenagers. Pastor Al, that's just not the way we do ministry here. Or Pastor Al, you're asking me to do something that I'm more comfortable with and that I'm not real comfortable with or maybe I don't have time for or I'm not familiar with or Pastor Al, you know what, from parents, isn't that the church's job to do that? Or even Pastor Al, just, you think you need to be a little bit more spiritual with what you're teaching? You know, I, I know it's different. I know it's different. But that's a good thing. Here's what I know, and here's what I've learned. And I know, if you're honest with yourself, you know this to be true as well. I know we don't like this phrase, but times have changed. Family situations have changed the past 10 years. Kids and teenagers, they learn differently than they did 10 years ago. And I know it's tough, but we're going to need to embrace this. Embrace this change. We're not changing the message. We're changing what we're doing. We need to embrace that if we're going to move forward. And it starts with widening the circle for our kids, for our teenagers. For kids to make better choices, we need to value other voices. And it starts when they're young, when we introduce this to them, and it ends when they're seniors in high school and they're trying to figure out, do I want to continue down this road in my faith or not? And you know what? I'm naive enough to believe that if they've established relationships with other Christian adults, especially right here within this church, that it will increase their chances that they say, yes, I want to stick down this road that my parents put me on. And really, isn't that what we all want? Isn't that what we all want? I believe so. And I believe that it can happen. Before I, before I close and just pray for us, and before we go back into some more worship, so Jen, if you want to go ahead and come on up, you can go ahead and do that. Before I close, I want to let you know, um, babe, if you want to go out there, you can go ahead and out there if you want. But out in the foyer, I've got a table out there, and... I've got 20 copies of a book that I bought last year, last summer we were going to do as part of the VBS thing that we were doing. And it's a book called Parenting Beyond Your Capacity. It's this idea of 
what can I do as a parent to reach out to the church? Because we talk so much to our leaders and about the idea of reaching out to parents. We want to talk to a, a book written to parents. Say, what can you do to kind of reach back across the aisle the other way? And I've got 20 copies of it. And if you're a, you're a parent of a teenager, I want to give that to you for free. I only got 20 copies of it. We run out. Just let me know. We'll get you another copy. But you can see, Lana, I want to give that to you. And if we run out, like I said, we'll, we'll do more. But again, here's the thing I know. And I know that you know this too. Some of us, we might just have to think back a little bit because it's been a long time since we've been a child or we've been a teenager. But those spiritual mentors that we've had in our lives, I mean, we love our parents. And our parents, I know, have taught us more than anybody else will ever teach us. But I know that we're limited still. And I think that's okay. Because God has put other people in our lives. He's given us the church. He's given us other adults right here that can do that. That can reach out and speak into the lives of kids. So we want to do it. I want to encourage you as parents to do that. To reach out. And if you're sitting here and you're not doing anything, you're just you know, thinking about working with kids or teenagers or the farthest thing from your mind, I just want to encourage you to reach out back to those kids and to those parents. It doesn't have to be big, but it should be something. And let's increase the chances that they make better choices. Amen? And would you pray with me? God, God, as a parent, I, I understand how difficult it can be sometimes. Then I know there's many times in my life where I've asked myself the question, why can't I do that? Or how come I'm able to teach them that? Or I wish that I could do that for them. God, I understand that, God, I just don't have all the answers and that I need others in my life. And I know it's tough sometimes because these are our kids, your kids that you've given to us. So the idea sometimes of trusting them with others is a hard thing for us to do. But God, I pray that you would help us to see as parents that one of the greatest resources that we can ever have are the people that are in this church. That one day, even right now, when we might feel like our kids don't really need anybody else besides us, there comes a point in time, and we know this because we've been there, that they reach out eventually and they seek the advice and they seek the help of others, other adult voices. And I pray this morning that we would not resist that, but we would help facilitate that in their lives. And for those of us this morning that are sitting here, and we don't have any children and teenagers, we don't even think about that too much, that we would realize that when you spoke to the Israelites, that you spoke to everybody, that we all have a part to play. And that you would help us try to figure out and discover what that part is that I can play. Maybe I've been, children's ministries, youth ministry has been the farthest thing away from my mind for so many years now. But would you reignite something in us, God, that we would reach back to kids to be that trusted voice, that we would reach back to parents, we would come alongside of them and help them as they walk through life and they try to just figure it out. God, encourage us to make that step. God, I love you and I thank you for all the possibilities, the great things that could take place if we would take the time and widen the circle of influence. God, we just ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen.